Bonus episode. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. I am super excited this week uh, to be talking about Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2, and uh, full-on spoilers from this point on. And I have got a roundtable of guests this week. I got Joe Stark from StarkCast. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. And from the fabulous Learning Nerds podcast, it's been a long time. We've got Mr. The Old Man himself, Scott Schutte. Get off my fucking lawn, you ingrate. <laughs> Welcome, Scott. How you been, buddy? I've been tired. This is past my bedtime. I hope you know. It's a special occasion. I'm running on some Red Bull, and uh, we'll be good. Oh, man, you're now Red Bull for you. Your heart will explode. It's like that moment in South Park, the movie, where Kenny's baked potato heart blows up. That's the last thing I need on this podcast, Scott. I'll do do my best, but I've been uh, doing the Zumba thing. We're all in good shape. Got a six-pack of Red Bull. Let's do this thing. And uh, from... uh the reality guys on YouTube, and what's the other? What's the other? Uh, what's the other podcast called? Billy. That's that's uh, no one's called the one on the one that sometimes shows up. It's kind of like a lunar eclipse. It's the podcast. That's that's. So we appreciate the shout out for the reality guys. But as I said, we for the other one, Brian, our, my co-host, actually had twins, so it was kind of a lot to ask of him to kind of do both. So for now, it's just the reality guys. But some more other podcast content coming soon. All right, yeah, and uh, we've also got uh, from the real Zodiac, Quentin Roberts. Hey, thank you so much for letting me be on this. Absolutely, and from dissecting this fiction podcast, we've got Mr. Stephen Redgrave. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, I'm here to talk Stranger Things and try out my new intro, and I've already done the latter. All right, Uh, (laughs) let's see here, guys. I, uh, I mean... I definitely want to rate this one. We've got a rating system on Pop Culture Leftovers. I'll play the rating system if this is your first time listening. And it's not fucking playing. So I'm not going to do that right now. The rating system is Toss It, Taste It, Tupperware. And uh, I'm just going to start off by saying this is an absolute Tupperware from me. I thought it was phenomenal. Um, And I think it really comes down to us... Finding out who the villain is, it being a great villain, a great origin story for the villain. I mean, it's been there all along. You can go back and you can watch seasons one, two, three, and the beginning of four. He's been there all along. It's just we didn't know any of it uh, going into this season. And they give us this incredible origin story. It really connected me more with Eleven this season. I'm one of the people that wasn't like 100% like on board with the whole Millie Bobby Brown 11 performance and the character and all this stuff, I was like, I just felt like she was kind of being used as like, uh, 
If they if if shit gets too fucking crazy, ah, they just throw in the nosebleed girl that likes waffles and she'll take care of shit. And this season gave her this amazing backstory, another layer to her backstory that we didn't know about. I thought it was fucking awesome. And I think Vecna is like a fantastic fucking villain. And so I am just 100% down uh, for whatever we're going to get in season five. I definitely have theories that I want to talk about. But um, yeah, I'm at a Tupperware. I, I, I loved it from start to finish. Volume two is fantastic start to finish i thought it was great and um some of the most iconic scenes i think are in this fucking uh final episode from from eddie munson and uh even from uh hopper turning into conan the barbarian it's just been it was it was awesome it was truly awesome so uh joe what did you think man yeah, th- this season really blew me away. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Stranger Things since it came out. Um, <clears throat> like, I even like season two. I'm not as down on it as some people are. Um, the season four for me has been like a-, a highlight of watching. I feel like everything was amped up in this season. The the villain was really great. I love the backstory with Eleven. Um, I liked the what they did with the groups splitting them all up. I thought it was really interesting seeing some of them in Russia and that whole storyline uh, was really interesting. I <clears throat> really liked all the adventures in the upside down in this one. I thought it was fantastic. And the way it culminated with them like fully like armoring and weaponing up and coming up with this, you know, very in-depth plan on, on how to take on this bad guy. I just thought it was a, a really really ambitious plan for them to take on and seeing the way that they pulled it off was great. I I love the special effects that they did on Vecna with uh, it being partial practical parts, CGI. Uh, I I thought he just looked really, really great. I thought his powers in this one um, were, I mean, the way that the bodies would break on the people, it just was so horrifying to look at Um, every season. I've really enjoyed the the new cast members that they bring on, and, and this one was no exception. I absolutely love Eddie. He's going to have you know a, a place in my heart for a very long time. And his scene where he starts playing Master of Puppets on top of that trailer and the Upside Down, it, growing up as like a metal kid, like that scene just spoke to me. It was so fantastic. Um, yeah, this, this is uh, an absolute Tupperware for me. Stranger Things as a whole continues to be a Tupperware. And man, the the two year wait or so that we're gonna have to sit through before we get season five is is gonna be a long wait. But we've got so many hours of great content that you can go back and rewatch. So um, I'm just so happy that Stranger Things continues to be so great, dude. Hopefully, it'll be worth the fucking wait. I mean, it's one of those things where the Duffer Brothers are gonna get started writing it next month. It's like, god damn, you gotta stick this landing because the way this season ended off, it's like we're going into like epic territory in this next one and it's like you've got to stick this landing i don't want this to be season eight of game of thrones yes. so <laughs> exactly all yeah, right I mean, all eyes in the world are, are on this you know this is a, a huge ip and if they don't stick that landing it is going to be on the same level of game of thrones it'll go from a beloved ip to something that is just a punchline yeah it'll go from something like we won't even want to rewatch any of the pre like season four made me appreciate appreciate two and three even more 
So, and I'm with you, Joe. I love those seasons as well. So, uh, Scott, where are you, man? This is the highest of Tupperwares for me. I'm going to go out on a ledge. Uh, everyone's like, oh, season one's my favorite. Um, fuck that. Season four is the best season <laughs> of Stranger Things, in in my opinion. I like um, that take, Scott. I, re- I, I, I like that, I'm man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, it, the way, the writing and the way they pulled all those threads together like we had to go through season two and season three which were good and i love but we had to go through that to really appreciate everything coming together in season four um and i'm a horror guy of course halloween is coming up right it's summerween for us halloween people and the way they went straight up horror and all the nods to the 80s um slasher films and uh, of course we get uh, the freddy krueger references and robert england i'm just i'm just dying it was great and i'm with you they've got to stick the landing I don't know how it's better than this season. This season was unfucking believable, and I'm just really um, so glad that we can talk about it because it was it was amazing. I loved it. I keep thinking to myself, Scott. I want to. I've got some theories and stuff that I want to definitely talk about. But I mean, if we are doing a time jump, we're gonna, I want to talk about the time jump. Let's say we do go to the '90s. What '90s horrors are we going to pull from? And that's what I, that's a question that I have. And I've got like, I don't know if I consider it, I guess I consider it a supernatural horror, but I'm going to bring one of them to the table here. And I, I want to know what you guys think about it once we start unpacking this. Um, Billy. Absolute, absolute Tupperware for me. This is also definitely my favorite season. It takes all the best elements that is my favorite part of Stranger Things. And I think it just amped it all up to 11. Kind of Joe touched on it, but really is the thing that always sticks with me is the writing and especially of the the side characters that are able to be written so well that even a few episodes in, we have full investment in them. And unfortunately for characters like Eddie or Billy or, or Bob before, they don't have the longest arcs as far as episode length. But I have a full character journey. They write these characters and they give them actual character arc that many shows on television don't do. I think really the only other show I can think of right now is like a for all mankind that really writes their characters so well and really has them arc out. I mean, besides also all the pop culture stuff, it's just a geek fest at all times and being able to blend the genres and being able to take the appropriate time and also love that they were able to edit the episodes in the appropriate lengths that they felt was necessary to tell their story and didn't feel beholden to have to stick to certain episode lengths or even a certain season length. So I just think they've hit all the buttons right. And I just think I would recommend it to anyone, not even just someone who's, you know, someone who we tend to listen to this podcast. I would, my parents are watching it and people who never really watch TV all can get around it. And there has to be something in the writing that is able to unite that kind of audience. So total Tupperware for me. I kind of like that the Duffer brothers and Netflix and, and the VFX artists didn't have everything done all at once. So they couldn't release all the episodes one through nine all at once. I'm glad that the last two episodes, they still had to finish those up because I feel like if we would have watched this all last month, we would have kind of just like, you know, I think we would have loved it, but we kind of would have forgot it. And we'd been waiting like, this, I think, like, we were so ready for this to drop on July 1st that once it hit and once it landed, I mean, we're all thinking about it again. 
and I think it was a bigger event. I don't know if they planned on doing it this way. I mean, they said it was they had to finish it up, but I think it worked out wonderfully. And I wouldn't mind, honestly, if they did this again next time. And, Agreed. And, yeah. I mean, because, you know, there is something about being able to binge stuff. I think there are shows that are great to binge that don't have to leave you with a cliffhanger after each and every episode, and you can just binge it all. But I think there's something to be said about, you know, waiting a little bit of time to get some answers and the speculation in between. And I, I think this was a good model. I Maybe Netflix should do this more, especially like big event television, such as Stranger Things. So, uh, Quentin, well, for, oh, no, go ahead. Breaking Bad. What's that? Worked for Ozark and Breaking Bad. It, it did. It really did. Big time. If they were to do like a, a weekly release schedule on something, you know, just on their huge IPs, in, instead of just owning headlines for a short period of time, they could own them for like nine weeks, you know, and something for like Stranger Things would work so well for that because just the content itself, mm-hmm. you know, poses speculation in one's mind. Well, I, I don't people- I don't know 100 percent if I'd want it to be a week to week release with Stranger Things. I, I like how they did it this time where it's like. We find out about number one at the end of, like, that first batch of episodes. And so, like, we're left with, okay, now we know who our villain is. And then we get these final two episodes, which, like Billy said, like, you know, they didn't care. They didn't have to break these down into, like, four different episodes. They just gave us two extra, you know, supersized episodes that had Because that last episode, there was, like, no breathing room. There's no way to break that last episode. It's like it once it starts, it doesn't stop. It just keeps going. And so no, you're I, 100% right. It would feel unnatural to try to cut it in any way, shape, or form. It just wouldn't flow well. Yeah. And I can I just like that the Duffer Brothers, Bry, and you know, like my where I go with this. It's I just appreciate that they're honest with their fans and they lay out their plan and they don't overpromise anything. And they actually are going to finish this show and they are setting a limit on it. And I, I just appreciate that, that they stuck to what they planned from the beginning and they really didn't let a lot of other projects or anything else kind of deter them from it. And I just extend as a viewer, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Netflix. Uh, what is it? They got their own production company. I think it's upside down pictures and Netflix just signed them for a couple other things. But this is like this is what they're doing now. And uh, they're, all their focus is on Stranger Things, so I love it. Quentin, what did you think, man? Yeah, so I kind of did the uh, the Joe approach. I actually went back and watched all of the seasons before even season four came out. I don't know why this wasn't on my radar for forever, um, but um, I actually got to <clears throat> finish season four, uh, volume one, the day before volume two came out. So I didn't have to wait. <clears throat> which is really awesome. But uh, before I get into any more of that, I'm, I'm giving this a Tupperware as well. This was, this was peak television. Uh, this was something that I have been looking forward to um, just like from what I was hearing from everybody else saying that this was really great and seeing just the reactions of other people that have watched it. Um, I, I just, I had to dive in and I'm so glad I dove all the way from season one to the last shot in season four, it was definitely worth it. Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to agree with everybody here that there were just so many iconic scenes and so many things that like really just 
let each character shine. Like they had such a huge cast for this by the end of uh, the last episode. And they utilized everybody. I will say the California crew, I felt got a little shafted. I know we'll talk more about that. Um, But like everybody had a reason for being there. And, you know, you have like 16 like characters in this and four different storylines going on all at once. And it all just worked out so well. I loved the four stories in this, um, especially the Russian, the the one in Russia. I, I was so happy to see Hopper again, and just seeing where his character goes and just uh, everybody along for the ride there, and Murray and Joyce. Um, but like seeing Eleven be like a complete badass after you're right, Brian. I felt like she was kind of like the the keepsake like she's the she's the one to get him out of all this shit and finally it's kind of run its course like she can't get him out of this and i love where um the the series ended it made me really excited for what we're going to be getting but damn i was just on the edge of my seat the entire volume two volume two like i have never been so stressed about a tv show that you got to like sit and watch and i I got to see with my family and it was just it was so much fun it was it was quite an experience that you just you can't ask for more it was it was great great writing everything all right steven i guess i'm the villain in this one uh christ I I'm gonna give it a high taste. It boo. I, I'm booing you. I'm sorry, man. I don't. I, I this. Yeah, I'm boo. booing you. Boo. Uh, I, who I who invited like, this somebody guy? Somebody better not say Tupperware. So I am not the asshole. But here we are. Um, I loved the first volume. I thought in the beginning I was really confused by it, and I was like, this is like doesn't even have anything to do with the other seasons. It just feels like it's just more of a like anthology type story, but they just wanted to force it in with these other characters that we've already seen. And as I got through the end of that volume, I was like, this is fantastic. When they revealed what they did with the villain and everything and the way that it all played out, I thought it was just amazing. So I ended up really enjoying the volume one and I was really excited for volume two. But then once that came out, I binged it. The day it came out and I felt like I was more so bored with those last two episodes than I was with season two, which was probably one of the the worst, in my opinion, of what they've done. And so I was just kind of surprised that that I felt like they were doing a lot of like build up stuff that they could have done in the first volume. And it just felt like it was just as much as I appreciated how much they gave us, it did feel like it was some of it was not necessary and they could have structured. I think the story a little bit better where uh, the second reveal we get later in the last two episodes was kind of tied to the first one and, and saved some time. And I think they were a little re- repetitive with some of their plot devices and stuff, which we'll, we'll probably talk about, but overall I thought it was really good acting. I think they kind of, failed on some of the characters giving them something to do so i guess i'm on the opposite end of of some of you guys but oh you are a hundred percent you are <laughs> there, there uh, yeah, there's no guessing about it you, you're 100 percent here i mean th- th- this plan that they had Not was a risk you know this plan that they had i feel like it was 
it was incredible. And unbeknownst to, you know, I, and I'm talking about the crew in Hawkins and what they're doing in Hawkins. There, I, I love what I love so much about this show is that it's not like you've got the military involved. You've got, you know, there's there's adults in Hawkins and and you've got like the cool, popular kids at the school. They're not the heroes of this story. It's always the outcasts. It's always the misfits. It's the Dungeons and Dragons crew. It's like the metalheads and shit. It's like the outcast misfits, misfits like they're the ones that are doing the things to save the people and I love that they're the the crew in Hawkins doesn't even have eleven this time. They're just like we are going to go after Vecna. We've got this plan. It's not a foolproof plan. They don't really know what they're in for, but it's like you've got these other groups. The group in Russia trying to destroy the particles to help out. You've got eleven, and I mean the whole piggybacking from the the pizza dough freezer is just an amazing fucking thing to it's it's so fun and they're at this surfer boy pizza place and filling the 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 pizza freezer with the water and the salt and she's going to be battling in the in 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 the mind layer of vecna all these things coming together i think it was just fucking masterful and you know you throw some awesome metal in that as well with Metallica, and I mean, this is just, this was incredible. I thought it was just incredible. I, I don't know how you could watch this and not get pumped. It was, I thought it was masterful. Somebody could I mean, jump in. I mean, speaking oh. of how they got themselves the pizza place late night and Jonathan kind of carrying over his weed the entire season, I want to know what he had. I mean, that dude was checked out the entire season. I mean, <laughs> literally was never sober for five seconds and no one really made a big deal about it. I mean, that dude, he must have got it from the upside down or something. <laughs> <laughs> I loved how clueless Joyce was about it also. It's like, how are you that clueless if he's constantly smoking up in his bedroom? How many encyclopedias are you selling? <laughs> I will say that I think the really cool thing that they added in this season was um, having, and I know I literally sound like I'm contradicting myself just a little bit, but just having a whole nother um, storyline going on, not just out of Hawkins, but like another country. And then also uh, across the, across the, country with california like we're seeing all these different elements and how it's affecting um everybody in just different ways it's just so cool and i mean i don't know if it's if it's like that crazy but like for it to have four four different stories going on in this fourth season and they had three different stories going on in season three and you know just like two really major stories going on in season two i just feel like they're working it up and I'm so excited to see what they're going to do with season five because they're just going to have all these characters again. And I don't know. I just, they just do it so well. I I know I keep harping on that, but I love what they do with all these characters and to make them utilize for the plot. It all just works so well. I had a feeling that, you know, and I talked about it in the last episode. I was like, you know, I asked the question of like, one is, one is, one of these major characters from like the first season, like I'm talking main characters, when are they going to die? So you'd think it would have to happen. At least one of them would have to, to die. And that it didn't happen this season. Um, 
instead we 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 lost Eddie and um Max is banged up but uh they still haven't killed off a main character uh as far as like you know the kids and then you know you know uh, Joyce and Hopper they everybody's still there and I think probably it's the wisest thing I you know there is we were talking about maybe Steve being the guy that would die this season because that would really be emotional and you know to watch Dustin's reaction to Steve dying that would be super emotional but I think it's smart to have Steve going into season five I mean it just wouldn't feel like Stranger Things without Steve I want to see what Steve does we've got all this unresolved shit with him and Nancy and Jonathan this fucking love triangle that's going on right now which I'm totally shipping fucking nancy and steve again i kind of love yes. that yes <laughs> that was an eye roll well, for me i felt like they just were like of course it was back on this I, oh my god yeah. and it didn't even I'm, go anywhere it just was like a, a are you a conversation of oh i'm really glad to see that you're doing better and then like that was the end of it because it's because it's, it's season five and she's still with jonathan yeah, Steve's a good guy now. He's not a cuck, so he's not going to go and swoop in on somebody's girl. I mean, I think there, I think Steve, it could be fair to say, when he was in the Upside Down, had a pretty good thought that he wasn't making it out of there. So he yeah. just wanted to be able to share those feelings and that confession before. And now he got out, and he's like, crap, like, you know, what do I do with that situation? But I, I like, like you're saying, Brian, like, he has grown, too, as a mm-hmm. character. Because season one, Steve would, sw- would swoop in, but not season four, Steve. And again, that is real character growth, and they're not just turning their back for a convenience for a romance i think chances of him dying and see i want to hear what you guys have to say actually let me hold on to that somebody was going to say something i was going to say the rumor was steve was going to die there were billboards all over that said protect steve (laughs) all over the united states okay so that's great I completely disagree with the love triangle being not important because it's a huge part of three characters' story arc. You got Steve, who's been on this massive journey for four seasons, unbelievable story arc. He was a complete bully, and now he's a hero that everybody loves. We got Jonathan, in my humble opinion, didn't do much this season. I, I think he goes off on his own, but Nancy. Nancy proved to be a really strong, independent woman throughout this entire thing. I think she's strong enough to walk away from both of them and be her own person. I want to see that in season five. That's great storytelling. That makes sense. It's completely worth it, in my humble opinion. So yeah, Nancy, Nancy doesn't find any love. She just is like, fuck both of you. She's, she's a strong, weird. independent woman, and she don't yeah. need no man. <laughs> I mean, you, you could be a strong, independent woman and still find love. Come on, guys. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Maya Hawk. I love their chemistry the most. Oh, oh she's yeah. The best. I guess for me, I just feel like, you know, going back to, like, Steve and how we saw his progression all four seasons. Like, yeah, we saw that. So like, we didn't need the spark note little conversation at the end to tell us that he's grown. Like, we already know. We've seen this character do all of these things to go from a douche to you know this but caring man to. who's who's taking care of these younger kids and and doing selfless things now so like i don't know i guess i just feel like they were just throwing it in there for the sake of throwing it in there like even the whole jonathan and her having this weird like oh i don't know if we're uh doing okay because 
I didn't show up or something. And like, it just, I don't know. I felt like they were just forcing a problem to make it feel like Steve was going to come in and they'd rekindle their relationship. I think it's, it's, it's it's set up for the next season for sure. That, you know, we, they're purposely paired together this way, this season and having Jonathan be a long ways away. And, you know, they all but said, Hey, this relationship is not going to work. Jonathan doesn't even feel like he should be with her because he feels like she deserves better. Um, and it's a real parallel to the journey that happened in in the first season with Nancy and Jonathan paired up, even though she was together, you know, with Steve. Well, in this season, it's the opposite of that. Now she's paired up with Steve, but she's with Jonathan and she's starting to realize that, oh, there are still feelings that are there. And it's all stuff that needs to be resolved in this next season because they left all those threads hanging for a reason. Yeah, it sounds I, like she belongs on the streets. <laughs> Give her a sod off. <laughs> She's going to be good to go anywhere you put her. I just feel like, you know, Jonathan didn't know that there was any growth in Steve. And Nancy, now she's seen it, you know, firsthand. And so those conversations, especially between her and Jonathan at the end, where he's talking about, you know, are we fine? I mean, they haven't seen each other all summer. And... Mm-hmm. You know, and then on the flip side, she's seen this growth in Steve. Yes, she had feelings for him at one time, and and now she's seeing all this growth from him. I think there is going to be, and guys, they're teenagers or in or in their early twenties at least by the time we're, you know, in this series. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of like teen romance and stuff like that that happens in these shows, and that's just part of being a young adult. And, uh, you know, she's going to have to make a choice. And I think that's where we're going to be in season five. And, and Scott, you could be right. She might just be like, you know what? I'm young. I still got to go through college and get through all this stuff. I can't do this right now. And maybe we'll find out later on down the road that one of these guys, you know, maybe she reconnects with them later. Maybe she doesn't need one of them right now. She just needs to work on herself. So we'll figure that all out. But um, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I think it's. I think it's been handled really well. Um, I want to talk about uh, the uh, death of Dr. Brenner. And uh, I hope he is dead. I hope there's no way for him to come back. (laughs) They said they did say in an interview that he is done. So, okay, that's good. I'm glad for the. I'm glad just like that. I well, I I love this that it's like he's gone, he's out of the picture, and now it's like his two prized children are going to battle each other in this next season. I just think it's very fucking cool. So I think this Vecna origin story is like one of the best, and I love the inspiration that they pulled from a lot of Vecna with Nightmare on Elm Street this season. Oh yes, it was so good. Whoever that actor is who played. You know, one and Vecna, sign that guy up right now for whatever big MCU villain you want. You know, you want to talk anybody. I mean, a Magneto, a Doctor Doom, anything. I mean, that guy is for real. And I, I think, I mean, I've probably seen him in other things, maybe. But I mean, that's the first time I really was very aware of him. And I mean, yeah. that guy knocked it out of the park. He's really Jamie good. Campbell Bauer. I was yeah. watching uh, the the last two again today, and I was thinking at one of the scenes where he was talking. I don't know if you guys would hate this idea. I think it would be really cool if he was a like a prequel, like young version of Buffalo Bill in a movie. Let's let's uh, we'll do the fan casting off air. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Sounds okay. like a hard no. Yeah. No, well, no, we're gonna we're <laughs> we're gonna get back on track with Stranger Things. I know a lot of people came here for the Buffalo Bill talk, but we'll. Uh... Uh, Brian, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to just go a little further into the Nightmare on Elm Street thing just for a second because um, there there were so many hints of that, and I love how. Um, this is kind of like a dream state whenever you do see Vecna mm-hmm. and how his his one hand is a little larger than the other, kind of like how Freddy has the glove. Like there was so much of that that it was so hard to not notice it. And then having Robert England be in it was just like the cherry on top. It, I'm a huge Freddy Krueger fan. So like seeing this, Vecna has become one of my favorite like villains in TV because – I love how he's done, and he's got like that growly voice that's definitely overdubbed, and it just it works so well in this season, and especially for those that love that horror element. That I mean, even just and not to harp back to volume one for a second, but uh, just with how we saw Chrissy getting killed, my immediate thought was uh, in that first movie with Tina in Nightmare on Elm Street where she's writhing on the, you know, she's floating and she's writhing on the ceiling. I was just like, holy shit, they're definitely calling back to all this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what that's what makes Stranger Things so great is, like, all the callbacks to, like, all the horror that we grew up with that we loved. I Even in this episode, it's like they, you know, he, he gets caught on fire, shot with a shotgun by Nancy and thrown <laughs> out of the fucking house. And then when they come back, he's gone. It's like Michael right. Myers, you know? So it's like... <laughs> totally. Um, oh, I love the Michael Myers coming back, too. That was awesome seeing Eddie wear that. So Eddie cool. wearing the mask. That was so cool. <laughs> that was I, awesome. I wanted to... T- like, we were talking about, like, one of the main characters dying. And I think... I don't know. I kind of feel like with the... You know, I was thinking that maybe Steve would die. I was thinking maybe that would be something they'd possibly do this season or next season. I think that might be taken off the table now. I don't know if it's too redundant for Dustin to see another one of like his, you know, mentors or like somebody that he like worships, you know, um, to die again. I don't know how impactful it would be just to like kill off Steve next season when it's like when he's almost like, you know, Dustin loved Eddie, looked up to him and also looks up to Steve. And like we saw those two interact together. And like even Eddie was kind of getting a little jealous of Steve and Steve getting jealous of Eddie. And we they we got to see the meet. And for them just to kill Steve, it seems redundant, don't you think, Joe? Yes, I think it totally would be. It would be that same story beat all over again, you know, and with it, you know, in the following season, um, it, this might sound wild and it might be just me being far too overprotective, but I would almost be okay with not any huge deaths from any of our main characters. It would almost be more special if in the end, this bond that they forged together and being able to rely on each other is the thing that's able to carry them through. And, you know, cause there was a big component in this season of, you know, the power of love within a group. And I could really see that working in the, in the next season. But also it's like when I try and, pick out you know even if if i like to put myself in the writer's chair like okay who would be the person that you would really get rid of i really can't think of of (laughs) i mean because steve did feel like it would have been the most impactful but i don't think that they would do that story beat over again and man i can come up with really valid reasons why you wouldn't pick that character on almost every single one of our ones that are left and i could come up with a couple different ways on how you could have a death that then gets turned around. But then they also did that with Max this season. 
and I got some ideas that we could get into later on where I think that's going to go, but I I don't think they would do that same beat over again either. So I, I'd almost be not even surprised at all if we didn't get any main cast deaths in season five. The death that makes sense to me in season five, if it is going to be one of these main characters, is Will. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I feel like Vecna might since he you know will has like this established connection with him now that he's back in hawkins he's definitely feeling it i think it next season will is going to be very instrumental in the season both 11 and will and then later on i think max will be but um i even think there could be a moment where vecna tries to get a new host body and that host body could be will and maybe it could be oh go ahead i say it could be max as well max either max or will max is let me get into this then this is what's happening with max in the in volume one there's a moment where we're getting a flashback to henry before you know he's vecna and and, and he's telling Eleven after, you know, all the psychic kids are killed. Uh, um, that uh, I don't psychic kids. I don't, what, what do we call them? All the kids the ch- with powers. Yeah, the children, I guess. Or- yeah, the children that are, you know, in, in, in that facility that have like the mind powers. He's telling after they're laying there dead. He tells her, he says, they're not gone, but they're in my mind. Mm-hmm. And they reside there. And that's where Max is right now. There's the scene. 100%, dude. Yep. There's the scene in this last episode, uh, Piggyback, where Eleven goes into her mind and there's nothing there. She's just walking around. And that's mm-hmm. because Max is now inside of Vecna's mind. So they're going to have, Eleven's going to have to enter Vecna's mind to free everyone else. Now, how does she do that? I know she's been able to enter other people's minds, but maybe Vecna's different. In order to enter Vecna's mind, it's almost like you have to be dead. And this is where I'm pulling from another, maybe if they do a jump into the 90s, this is where I'm pulling from another 90s kind of like supernatural horror slash thriller. I'm thinking maybe they might have to flatliner her like in the flatliner oh, yeah. movie. <laughs> and wow. and it's going to feel like flatliners, you know, Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts, that movie and Kevin Bacon. And they're going to have Eleven's going to have to sacrifice herself to go into Vecna's mind lair. And then once she's there, she's going to, you know, she'll see Max, but not only Max, but like everybody else. So the other people that were killed in Hawkins and and the other mind kids and she's going to have to free them one way or the other maybe they can enter her mind at that point and then go back to her body um and i don't i i I'm, that's a theory i don't know if that's the that's what's going to happen as far as like her being able to like have all of them enter her mind i just think it would be interesting it feels like maybe, you know, Vecna's stronger because he does have all the people that he's killed in his mind. We might see Billy again. I mean, there might be some resolution with Max and Billy 
that we see next season while Barb. she's in Vec- and Barb. There might be some resolution with Barb. But definitely Max and Billy might have that moment where they can talk inside Vecna's mind. Oh, um, that, that's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that that is cool too, right? And that gives me the vibes. It's almost like how at like, the end of Harry Potter, he had to go and let himself be sacrificed. So maybe it's a thing where she has to let Vecna kill her, even or something. There's a kind of connection there, and kind of willingly sacrifice and being able to make that connection because of that. And you could see him kind of wanting to maybe even absorb her in and become all powerful. And that could be kind of the undoing because he's just not happy with the victory he has he has to take her down and that's that type of thing where they could sucker him in through his actions it'd be so cool i like the flatliners thing guys she's in control and like everyone's like no you can't do this you can't do this this is fucking crazy and she's like i have to and hopper's like no i'm not gonna let you do it and she's like i'm an adult now you know because like now we're in the 90s now we're doing 90s supernatural horror shit and it's like i don't know man i maybe i'm way off on this yeah because they could bring Owens back in to kind of, you know, oversee the whole thing because they, they left his fate still up in the air. We don't know if he's alive or dead or not. Well, the, the military's got to listen to him now after what's going on in Hawkins. Right. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I, I wonder if, if it would be something where if Eleven's able to go into Vecna's mind and, you know, free those other kids with the powers. But what if she was able to, like, redistribute those? I was, yeah, like... I mean, theoretically, she'd have the same power ability, right? Just whether she has. Well, like, what if she could bring those powers out and give them to other like key characters for the final showdown? Like, you know, and you have powers, and you have powers, like (laughs) Timothy. That could be wild. I mean, granted, (laughs) you know, none of them are trained or anything, but or or Hmm. maybe it is just a thing where she just needs to set that, open those prison doors in Vecna's mind, and it, you know, massively depowers him. I mean, going back to Max, um, is it possible that she, uh, Eleven could go into her mind? She did. There's kind? nothing there. Max died, and just like everyone else, she went into the mind of Vecna. It's mm-hmm. cut and dry. And for sure, they're going to have to rescue her out of there. And since she's the only one with a warm body to come back to, yes. in theory, she's the only one that can come back to life. Exactly. You know, the other people would just be, Mm -hmm. I suppose, be just getting set free, you know. But if it's the case of all those powered children being freed from Vecna's mind, that should massively depower him. Okay, Joe, I'm with you. I was uh, just from what you were saying, uh, Brian, I thought like everybody was going to live at the end and like come back and be free or whatever. I I didn't really know where you're going with that but hearing hearing what joe's saying like max would be the only one that would actually go back to a body that all kind of makes sense now no 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 i never thought that everybody was going to come back i'm saying everybody was going to go into her mind and that would make her the more powerful being at that point ah okay okay sorry i was i was getting lost a little bit there i apologize my only theory is that like the the psychic kid the the powered kids that died would enter her and she would have their powers as well and be able to take on vecna that's just a theory i but nobody's getting back into their bodies their bodies are gone the only body that's there that could return it, it would be max at this point so correct um yeah I do want to talk about something that I do think we're going to 
see happen. I don't think it's just going to be Vecna as the villain next season. There's the scene where Will is showing, uh, excuse me, where, yeah, Will is showing um, Mike the fucking uh, three-headed dragon, the Tiamat. And I think since he does have this connection with Vecna, and of course it's a Dungeons and Dragons character, but I do think there is a good chance that we could actually see a Tiamat come out of the of that earthquake that the, the, the divide in Hawkins, we could actually see that thing. And, uh, the kids having, you know, we had that vision of the kids fighting the Tiamat. I do think that maybe, you know, the group in Hawkins might be battling something like that. I just don't think it's going to be Vecna. I think it'll be something else. I'm not, I, I am saying that Vecna is the big bad, but I do see maybe like, them spending the money to have like a, a big dragon type battle or something like that. Maybe That'd next be season. That'd so cool. Yeah. Well, we've got such a big principal cast left that they're going to have to do something to split them up to make it make sense. Narrative. <laughs> right. Wise. And since that was a huge theme in this season, they got big shoes to fill to do it again and not be retreading that same ground. Um, but I mean, they, there's still quite a few people. So like what if what if Eleven's able to take multiple people into Vecna's mind, you know? And so there's you know a handful of people going with her and a handful of people fighting the actual because Nancy had said that there's gonna be all sorts of monsters coming out of that thing eventually. People are gonna need to be fighting that, but there's just so many core characters left. I just don't. I see us doing like you know just like the Duffer Brothers said, like doing a time jump, and I, I'm trying to think of like how far ahead they're gonna go. And at this point, I think and maybe they are doing a big time jump as far as like maybe we could be going forward like four or five years, and these kids are out of high school. Possibly, it could happen now. And I can't imagine that Hawkins is just gonna have residence. I think like it's just gonna. No. <laughs> I think the military, it's Chernobyl, the military, exactly. Like the military is going to be having like it blocked off they're gonna have to find a way to get back into hawkins i think that's gonna be a big part of it too is like them breaking into hot into uh into hawkins and maybe owens will play a big part in that because i think he's gonna be doing stuff for the military here for sure we've not seen the last of that general that was they, you know, oh yeah trying to oh, apprehend that's, that's a cool idea that's, that's a really right. good parallel to them having to break into the lab originally but now this is breaking into the lab on steroids yes exactly oh that is so sick can you see him just bringing in bulldozers and just like pushing everybody's houses in, trying to fill in all these gates? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Maybe Nancy's dad will finally do something. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> watch TV. He's still going to be in that armchair. Oh, Ted. <laughs> hey, could we could we chat a little bit about the music in uh, series four? Because I, I texted yeah Brian before he finished. Because I at the end of episode eight, I was on cloud nine with what they did with separate ways. Yes. I just want to get everybody's take on how well they played with the score and some of the great things that they did. We already talked about running up the hill, and they brought that back again. That was awesome. But yeah. I, I, I was just blown away with some of the creative choices they did with the musical score this uh, season. I added Stranger Things season four. Um on my Spotify and they have that separate ways version on there. That start. Yeah. That starts my workout. That gets me so pumped. Oh man. I'm telling you it's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. They took that rock ballad, which by itself is just so metal and so Mm -hmm. iconic. And anytime you go to, to a karaoke bar, 
where somebody can do that or a cover band that can do that song, everybody goes crazy. Like we forget how awesome that song is because it's so hard to perform. And so they bring it out and then they turn it into this like melodic horror dirge. And well, think about what uh, Jordan Peele going separate. What Jordan Peele did with that song. um, What is it? Uh, I got got five. I got five on it. Yeah, five on it. Same thing. I'm just like I got to text Brian. That was magnificent and he slapped my hand i haven't watched it you asshole i oh i'm sorry i had a lot going on that week and so it was like i i was, I was like you know what? i'm saving it for the fourth of july and i couldn't have spent fourth of july better than watching stranger things season four volume oh, two yeah. it was epic it was so fucking epic so yeah no i Master scott the puppets. music is just incredible like stranger things season four um i've just been playing like the playlist and even like i forgot you know how much i loved uh play with me by extreme mm-hmm. you know i love that how they used it in the bill and ted's excellent adventure but my god just listening to like the guitar riff in that fucking song it's so good it's th- and i love that they had it in season four <laughs> I mean, you're having also the crazy metal stuff, and then you have Ella Fitzgerald and create old school jazz with Louis Armstrong in the same episode, and they are evoking different emotions. I mean, it, it's it is really it's like masterful. I don't think they could have picked a better song for for Eddie to play on top of his trailer. Oh, God, either. no! I mean, that was just unbelievable. Uh, I mean, think about this. It, I've they're basically it so many times since <laughs> Joe. They're basically it's like. Think about how fucking metal Mordor is, right? Fucking orcs, fucking, you know, like lava and fucking monsters and shit and goblins. It's just a metal fucking place. And to actually have a character play heavy metal while there's fucking like red lightning going off in the background and these fucking demon bats flying their way and they're doing it for a purpose. It's like, of course, it looks cool and it sounds awesome, but it's a distraction. Like, that's what they're there for. It's all part of this plan. And it it was just so fucking badass. Oh, my God. So badass. And I love the well, you, scene where he goes in his room and he sees his guitar hanging on the wall. Yeah. And he looks at Dustin and says, it's like she was made for an alternate dimension. Like, <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. You can actually buy that guitar online. They sell replicas of it. It's like, what is it? Like, it was 900 bucks. It was 900 yeah. That's right. Yeah. Will uh, you ever guitar, think of, worth it. When you hear Master of Puppets, will you ever think about it the same way again now that you've seen that scene never no oh, no never like it's solidified into our our uh, our our culture now yeah every the time i hear that it's it. gonna be eddie on top of the fucking you know trailer with his guitar well I, and the bats i mean it had meaning to me before that because i love metallica and you know i've seen them live i fucking love that song but it's even changed that for me. But like even you got to imagine like there's a lot of teenagers that are, you know, that weren't around during that time. And it's like look at the popularity of the Kate Bush song running up that hill. And like kids are listening to that shit now. And like same thing here with Metallica. Like there's like this. I'm sure there's like a resurgence in interest in like heavy metal. And we've definitely seen that happen like with James Gunn and the Peacemaker series and some of the music that was featured in that. But like. Man, yeah, this has changed the way that I fucking view that Metallica song, 100%, dude. I always think of Eddie on top of that fucking, uh, uh, on top of that roof and just, like, jamming out to that. 
And and you gotta like the scene before that too, like we need music, we need music and this is music. Yeah, Iron <laughs> Maiden. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Iron Maiden tape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, coincidence, Iron Maiden's mascot's name is Eddie. I kept thinking it was um I kept thinking that it was in honor of Eddie Van Halen. Like you know what I mean? But I could Easily, be wrong. Yeah, I could see that. There's also the Eddie Munster connection. His name is Eddie, Eddie Munson. Munson. Yeah. And the very first song that's in the background when we first see him is oh goodness. Uh hold on a second. It's a it's a werewolf song. So I thought it was cool. And Eddie yeah. Munster was the little werewolf boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, but I do think there's a chance they could be fighting a fucking dragon next season. Uh, that would be epic. That'd be metal as fuck. <laughs> Speaking of awesome scenes, uh, Hopper uh, slaying a fucking Demogorgon with a sword? <laughs> yes. Mm. The Conan replica sword, the same one they used in the Conan movie from what I read. Oh, that's so incredible. It is, yep. Oh my god, it was so incredible. Like if Hopper doesn't if if that didn't get Joyce all horned up for Hopper, I don't know what will. <laughs> no shit, right? Legends. I did I did really love the scene where she was like bringing up the date, you know. She's got feelings for him, he has feelings for her. She brings up the date and you know, he's talking about, yeah, I've dreamt about it. And he's talking about ordering the two orders of breadsticks and the lasagna. And he's like, you got to understand, I've been fucking eating nothing but water, soup, moldy bread, and maggots. He's like, I'm hungry. I'm just like, <laughs> I love this. This is hilarious. The other thing that Gulag diet's working for him. He looks pretty good. <laughs> he looks oh. great. That's like right off the heels of like Hellboy. So he's super trained for that movie. So, I mean, you could tell like – he really had lost quite a bit of weight. You could see like the muscle in his shoulders, man. Dude's looking good. Help me understand one thing. The guy's a total badass. Did he or did he not either dislocate or break his ankle to get out of those cuffs, right? He bent the cuff. But at one point the cuff like kind of dug into his flesh a little bit is how I took it. I thought he broke his ankle, and then he's running on it, and I'm like, you're a badass. Like, no he is way. A, yeah, he, <laughs> he's like, like, pain doesn't fucking matter anymore. I need to get oh, out of That's what I took out of it was yeah. he broke his yeah. ankle so he could get it out of the cup. That's what I thought. And then he's running up the hill away from the Soviets, and I'm like, dude, yeah. you're <laughs> a superhuman. No way. I mean, even <laughs> Dustin isn't that tough, and he just fell mm. 10 feet. Right. Yeah, no, I thought he broke his ankle. You're not running. Do you think that there will be an element of possible time travel in the next season? Because the Upside Down is still stuck in 1983. I'm worried about it. I think it would be cool if they did some sort of time travel. But I don't want this to feel like Avengers Endgame where they have to go back and they have to stop Vecna before he becomes Vecna. And, you know... Oh, the comparisons would run rampant if that was the case. Well, and I just don't want them to go back and it's kind of like killing him or stopping everything before it actually happens because, yeah, and then we just reset to 1983 and no one remembers and everyone's alive and we get to see Barb hanging out with Nancy at school and nobody remembers any of this and maybe Eleven is, I don't know, like maybe one or two characters remember, but... I just don't want them to reset everything. Like, there's been so much growth from all these characters that I don't want time travel to, like, kind of retcon and wipe everything out. 
But I feel I like the, we're going to see that. But I feel like hold on. But I feel like there is going to be some element of time travel because it's been introduced that the upside down is stuck in 1983, the same month that Will was sent to the upside down. So go ahead, Steve. Uh, I was just going to say uh, the in the last episode of Volume Two when he's talking about um, how he views people and like how they just work every day, eat, sleep whatever he's talking about time and and referencing that and all that stuff so i the way i interpreted this whole thing was he created uh hawkins in the upside down when he when he went there it as the the time that he left and he he stopped time and so that's why it's still in 1983 because time is irrelevant to him because he doesn't see himself as like you know people He's yeah, just he, he's he above there, them. He went there in seventy nine though. Was it seventy nine? Yeah. He froze the yeah. day that Will went in, correct? Yeah, yes. which which was like I think like October of eighty three or something, somewhere around there. Yeah. Well, from seventy nine to like how long did it take him to find the mind flayer? Well he is the He mind, is the mind right? flayer. No, I know. I meant like, oh, sorry, not. Well, I just meant like, didn't he find that cloud or whatever, and that became the mind flare? Well, it's him. He's just kind of controlling it, and he, he's basically created a hive mind of all of the creatures in this dimension. Okay, all right. Sorry so about he, that. I, I guess I got a little confused at the end there. No, I mean he was sent there, and he turned it into something that he feels is beautiful. So, and he's right. wanting to do that with our world. Now, like that's what we're going into next season is he's going to basically try to kill everyone, absorb everyone into his mind and then turn our world into what he had there. So that's what we're dealing with. I as I just feel like there I I don't know how they would use time travel, but I do feel like there is an element of time travel that's been sort of introduced. And I'm worried about how they're going to use that if they are going to use that in the final season i just i don't want them to i don't want them to wipe everything out that's kind of like happened retcon all these events and just have everything wrapped up all pretty and everybody's back at school so yeah that would that would suck if they actually did something like that what do you think is the purpose of even having the upside down version of of the city because it's there's no people like it's just basically a decayed version of it so what's the point of him having that created if it's just him there and he doesn't really see himself as a part of society anyways i, I wonder if that's a question they'll address in the next season because they definitely haven't answered it yet i mean i think we're just looking at somebody that just doesn't want people and, and thinks that they have they they have a higher purpose and and what he has with the creatures and the upside down now is like that is a that's his you know that's what he wants and so i i don't really know if we need to really dive into his whole psyche i mean he's clearly fucking out of his mind but you know i i don't know if that's really going to be something that they fully address next season it's a good point. At what point do you get into midi-chlorian territory? Right, yeah. Where, I mean, Where you're like, oh, you over-explained it. It was better as being just a mysterious thing in our mind. I don't need to know why, you know, the zombie apocalypse happened. I just need to know that it did happen, you know? So, 
No, I agree. And I mean, how, how, as far as like how the, the outcome of that finale, I mean, how damaged do we think he is? I mean, is could that really be maybe a way they could kind of explain the time jump? They did really significant damage to him, you know, physically, but you know, the kind of damage as far as the seeds were planted were done, but I'm kind of curious what you guys think, or is it him just kind of playing possum? I think he's like taking his time and kind of like regrouping and, and figuring out a plan and, you know, but he's also giving them time to plan. And, and you got to remember, like, if we do like a four or five year time jump, Max is going to be in the hospital this entire time. Yeah, that's exactly where my mind went. If they do do this time jump, it just it makes me wonder why they ch- chose. And this isn't me trying to be like, you know, horrible for thinking. But like, I just I don't know why they didn't just have Max die. Um and like what her role is going to be she in did season die. five. No, I know she died, yeah. but like now she's in a coma. Mm-hmm. Like she died, but she came back because of eleven. Is right? No, you're yeah, right. I, you're right. Like basically, the whole reason that that gateway from the upside down was ba- was able to open up in the beginning uh, at the end of the episode right. was because she did die. Exactly. Yeah. But if you have to keep her body alive, if you can reunite her body with her mind with her body, there's a chance that the gate could close because that was part of the prophecy is that you have to kill the four. There's a chance that maybe it could close if she's alive. I don't. Okay. But the rules are kind of maybe changed now that it's open. So I don't know. Would would you consider it completely open or it's like in the process of opening because she's not like her body. She's brain dead. I think the creators said their official response is she's brain dead, but she's not dead. So um, she's just like everyone else in that's in his mind. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is as far as I'm aware and the tears, we watched the tears of the portal and they all originated in the places that those people died. Mm -hmm. Hers originated where she died and all theirs originated where they died. So she's, they're all the gates. Every one of them were gates. Yeah. If they time jump for me, the question comes up, why hasn't he done anything for like, let's say it's five years. Like, is it because he's trying to heal since the last battle of that's what season four? Well, Will says, Will says at the end of the episode that I can feel him. He's not dead. He's alive. He's hurting. So, yes, he's healing up. Kind of like, you know, if you're reading like the Lord, the, the Hobbit books, like there's mention of like if they don't mention him by name, but it's basically mentioned that fucking Sauron, like his spirit is out there and he's just trying to gain power and and getting stronger each and every day. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a Vecna that's licking his wounds and maybe trying to, you know, maybe these maybe they start going along uh, about their lives. Like, I'm sure that there's going to be a few in the group that are constantly planning uh, like Laura Strode and they won't give up and they're constantly planning on Vecna's return. I'm, I'm seeing Lucas as being one of those that's like constantly planning. But I think that there's going to be others in the group if we're doing a big time jump that are just like, you know, maybe he's not coming back. I don't, I don't believe he's coming back. And so they're just going to college. They're doing other things. And so I love that. I got the impression that like they 
not necessarily everybody, but it it felt to me like the census to them was that they beat him in the end until they started seeing the weather conditions and the, the all the plants dying and stuff in the field. I don't because Mike, I thought that was an odd. Mike said. Mike said. Mike said 11 lost. I mean, he's talking to Will and he says she's never lost before. This is the first time she's lost. They, they also know that his body was gone after he got thrown out of the house on fire. His body's gone. He's not there. If there's no body, there's no death. The kids are smart enough to figure that out. Um, and all and the gates are still there. The gates they are still like there. They were shocked when it was apparent that he was still alive. I don't know. Classic Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers move. Here it is. Yeah, Yeah, totally. That's what they do. Michael Myers. Yeah, I'm not feeling too good. I'm going to go heal up. Freddy didn't attack the next day either after they thought he was done. He he waited, came back stronger. Vecna's coming back stronger, folks. I agree. Yeah. I can't wait. I seriously can't. I think Vecna is, and I'm repeating myself, I think he is one of the coolest villains we've had. And I love that they spent so much time with Eleven's story when it was just her and uh, Papa and going in the memories for that to play out. That was, that was epic. What a way to strengthen the, you know, the season one stuff, man. Yes. It just, oh, absolutely. It didn't detract from that story. It only fucking strengthened season one and made season one that much better. So yeah, a hundred percent. Loved it. Loved all the stuff that they did with going back and and giving us uh, more of Eleven's story. It was so good. I now I love Eleven, man. I love mm-hmm. like there's that scene where she fucking when she enters Max's mind and she fucking is she lifts up Vecna just like he'd been lifting up everybody else. God, I I still would love to see her lift that motherfucker up and snap his limbs and shit just like he does oh, everybody yeah. else. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be so satisfying because we've seen him do it to so many different characters. Like, I'm like, in, you know, the first episode before Chrissy died, I'm like, oh, Chrissy's a new character that we're going to get to know this season. <laughs> right. <laughs> the pop. So, and then so they, fun to watch. they fucking Sean Beander, man. I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, the popular girl is going to join the group. And okay. And then maybe her and Eddie will, you know, get together by the end of this season. What did you guys think about the death of Jason, man? Oh my God. Oh, I was, that was great. So satisfying. <laughs> I, my like like I said, I watched with my family. We all went, "Oh yeah!" Like we, were... <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Scott, did that blow your mind? It was great. It was awesome. <laughs> and and the look on his face, like, "Oh ah! yeah, dude!" You could tell. <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah, he was hot. Just <laughs> Scott. He was moving around. He's in it. You're, they're gone. Don't go get them. <laughs> he was moving around. I guarantee you that room smelled. I definitely appreciated that, but I do feel like they kind of brushed under the rug the whole like him getting all of the people wound up to like look for Eddie and all that stuff. Like I thought it was going to be a bigger scenario than it ended up being. Oh, who wants to see all the bullies show up to the house? And I I mean, I kind of like how it was. You know, the two guys showing up and trying to throw a monkey wrench into like their whole plan. 
And by the end of it, it's like he's still not aware of like what's really going on here. And mm-hmm. the situation doesn't care if he does know. And the situation doesn't care if he gets turned around on, you know, them not being a cult and them not being the cause of all this. It just fucking the gate just fucking splits him wide open. I was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> I guess it's just like that council meeting thing that he went and did that whole speech at. To me, that felt like that was like a waste of time then if it didn't really amount to anything other well, than him just doing still, his own little fight with Lucas. There's the, still the people. The guy who called in the tip to them that, that saw the blue lights in the house, he was the first guy to leave the council meeting mm-hmm. where – you know, everybody looked at him and he's like, what are y'all waiting for? And so I feel like that was it's a small way, but that's kind of how they tied it into that. Last Their implication episode. that they that moment kind of got him to that. Yeah, house. because of Jason making that speech, this guy then later on in the timeline makes the call to them saying, hey, there's something creepy going on mm-hmm. in the murder house. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, which, the, the whole town is still. You know, thinking that Eddie was the leader of this cult, like you saw it on the newscast at the very end. What were you saying, Scott? I mean, two things. But but one is the last, I don't know, that whole 15-minute segment where it looks like all is lost. Was anybody else like me, you know, with the rumors of people dying, like any one of these characters could go, and I'm not sure who it is, and I don't want to see any of them go. I'm having an anxiety attack. Somebody passed me some um, some you know THC so I can get through this. I mean that was just an incredibly intense, greatly played storytelling moment. For oh, me. Scott, what was going through your mind like when the you know the, we saw the first like arm break of Max? Like, oh, she's gone. Yeah, and, you know, and tears are rolling down my eyes. Me too, yeah. dude. I got oh. super because like it was a, it was like it really killed me in episode four. Where, oh. they're, where they're teasing it, and then to actually see it fucking happening, and then we've got to, like, then they've got to give us the shot of, like, Lucas watching this. It's like, there's nothing oh. you can do in the moment. Yeah. I, I well, kept thinking that this was the end of Max. Like, we were getting, like you said, Brian, the tease in episode four, which by far, like, other than volume two, I was saying that, like, in volume one, episode four, from the cemetery to the end was my favorite like part of of all of Stranger Things, like I was I was crying, and I like I thought this was going to be like the final straw, and yeah, like Max was going to die. I kind of feel like she should have died, but that's all, you know, not knowing what they have planned for season five. So if if what they're doing with her character pays off in season five, then I'm all for it. But like I said earlier on, like, I felt really repetitive that they did that to her and then they still didn't kill her to me i thought the the death that we got with eddie was like the most predictable because we already knew that nobody in the town was gonna accept that he didn't do anything wrong they all pictured him a murderer so there's no way he's ending at least the series whether it was this season or not surviving and and just living a, a life after this so i kind of expected him to die um when they doubled down on max i was like okay well she probably is gonna die now but and then you know they pulled the twist on that one so i i don't know the way i see it since they're all children they're probably not going to kill them until they let's say 
season five of the time jump, I think they'll be more comfortable killing any of them. Like Brian said earlier, Will is probably the most likely to be killed, I think, because I think he'll be the, the one to sacrifice so that Mike and Eleven can live their life together or something, whatever, with that scenario. This this show has no problem with killing kids. It's I, I think it's the main kids that they're having a hard time getting rid of them. And I think they've made the right choice having them all go into the last season. Um it just wouldn't feel like Stranger Things if, like, one of these major characters was not with us anymore. So I think For sure. th- what, what they do uh, so well with, like, an Eddie that was, you know, kind of set up to die is he got a full character arc. Mm-hmm. And it exactly. was, yeah, and it exactly. was awesome. What they did with him. You could totally see. I mean, I think it's maybe the other obvious pick, but I mean, you could see Hell making a sacrifice. I mean, they could yeah. have that as well. I mean, if they want to be when it becomes almost kind of like a legend in Hawkins and Elle, and that kind of closes the circle on the powered individuals, and maybe the sister comes back and is involved. And but I could kind of see that also being a way for them to kind of tie off this chapter of the universe as well. Oh, I forgot about the sister. You're talking about from season two, right? I mean, I would feel like they would probably bring her back. Yeah, I was I I totally forgot that they do have that kind of loose thread going. I wonder if they are going to look at that for season five. I just keep thinking with Will, like if Vecna does try to take him over, that the whole conversation of you're the heart, Mike, is going to come into play somehow. And, you know, Will starts getting taken over and then Mike remembers that he's the heart and, you know tries to reach will through Vecna's possession. So am, is anybody else seeing maybe some unspoken feelings between will and Mike? Uh, yeah. I for mean, like, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. 100%. Okay. made it real clear. Yeah, like, for well, sure, for okay. Sure. All Love right. Him. All right. So, I mean, this show is not afraid of, you know, standing up and saying, uh, same sex relationships are, are okay. Right. But at the time, they certainly weren't. Right. right. Yeah. So I wonder about that playing through at the end as well. Maybe Will makes a sacrifice out of love for Mike or vice versa. Sure. I, I really feel like, I mean, it's there, but they haven't really touched on it yet. So I'm looking forward to that, which is why I think he's fodder for sacrifice. I really feel like Will is fodder for sacrifice here at the end of season five. I think I mean, so, I feel too. like he has to be the focus or at least a chunk of next season because i really I think like he is he was the on the focus. back burner this season and i don't know if that's just because they didn't know what to do with them and they needed him out of the way so they could focus on other characters but like it just felt like weird that him and his brother were really not in my mind strong characters for the outcome of this whole thing. I think that they both really came in hot though in the final episode. I agree mm-hmm. with you like all oh, season yeah. they didn't do anything but they both came in really hot in the final episode the talk between Jonathan to Will about like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm your brother, I'm always going to be here, it doesn't matter. I'm all, I'm always going to love you, I'm your brother. Like that like for all the stuff that we didn't get from those two that this that scene right there fucking solidified that um 
you know, that these characters are going to be important going into the next season. They definitely set it up that Will's going to be a major player next season with him back in Hawkins now. And now he's got like this more of a connection to Vecna. I mean, at the end of the episode, before anybody even saw that fucking dark cloud coming in, he felt it. He felt the hairs raise up on the back of his neck. He felt it. So he's got this connection to Vecna. I think he and Eleven are going to be instrumental next season mm-hmm. in taking yeah. down Vecna. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would. It is curious to see if they would bring number eight back, though, just because that that episode seemed to be pretty widely disliked by everybody. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, her power is she can create illusions in people's minds. So I, I can see how that could be, you know, helpful in another season. Like especially if they're having to sneak back into Hawkins or something like that. Maybe that would work out pretty well. Um, uh, between the the Jonathan and Will stuff. I didn't really care about Jonathan at all this season, just except for some comic relief, just watching him be so super stoned. But in that last couple episodes, that's where it really clicked for me because all the emotional stuff that going on with Will and the way that Jonathan was being the only one out of everybody in that car to notice what was going on. And, you know, Mike's sitting right next to him, but he's, you know, he's like, what, a 15 year old boy. So, of course, he's just wrapped up in his own shit. But all the emotions playing across Jonathan's face while he's seeing it happening and then having it pay off with that speech in the last episode is like, wow, way to really come in at the end and and make this worthwhile. Because otherwise, if they wouldn't have had that that moment, Mm -hmm. you know, it would have been just a total waste of of their arcs. Yeah, they, they did make it work. And, you know, the more I think about it, maybe Jonathan will be the one to sacrifice himself in the next season because... You know, he's all he wants to do is just protect his family. Joe, I think it was purposeful that we didn't get a lot of Will in this season because throughout this season, we watched Will kind of like be there for Mike. And we the entire time. Yeah, we know shit's going on with Mike and Eleven and their relationship. We know his viewers, but we also know his viewers that Will's got his own struggles But Mike is just so wrapped up in his relationship because he's a teenager that he doesn't see that his best friend has a lot of shit going on. And so that's why that scene in the final episode with him and Jonathan was so well done. And for us, the viewers that have just like watched Will struggle this entire season with no one, no one reaching out to him at all. We've seen his eyes tear up. We've seen like this sad, longing look in his face the entire season. No one's reached out to him. And right. finally, Jonathan did. And like that, like all that for all of him, like not, not doing anything this season. I think it paid off when Jonathan had that fucking talk. And like they're both two brothers crying in that moment. And I thought it was awesome. So, yeah, yeah that scene absolutely. was definitely the highlight for for them. Well, I don't think you get that if you give, like, Will being, like, this integral part of, like, every conversation and and things going on this season. I thought it was a big miss at the beginning of the season because, like, what the fuck is Will done? And then it all kind of tied up there at the end where his brother's the one that reaches out. And I was like, man, you know, for all the lack of character development they gave him this season, for the for his brother to finally, you know reach out to him after knowing that he's struggling with something. I mean, it was worth it. It was worth it. So 
Absolutely. It, it was great. I mean, Jonathan finally ran out of weed and he kicked back in the gear and was a brother again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, there's nothing else to do. I, <laughs> I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm, I can't wait for season five. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I absolutely love this season. I guess they're saying that season five is going to be shorter. Um, this, they, they said, uh, uh, this is from Dark Horizons. The fourth season of Stranger Things uh, led to the season. It clocks in around 80% longer than the more regular-sized third season, clocking in at about 13 hours as opposed to the 7.5-hour runtime of the third. And the longer runtime has led to some criticism of the show. Uh, however, creators Matt and Ross Duffer tell Collider this won't be the case for the fifth and final season of the series. Um, they say, we thought season four uh, was going to be eight episodes, and then they... And, they were going to be regular links. So if you had interviewed us before four, that's what I would have said. I think we're aiming for eight again. We don't want it to be 13 hours. We're aiming for more like 10 hours or something. I think it's going to be longer than season one because we just have so much to wrap up. But I don't think it's going to be as long as season four. Um, Ross Duffer adds that story structural changes will partly account for the difference in runtime. He said this season, for instance, it was two hours before our characters even realized the monster was killing people in Hawkins. They know what the threat is now. And so that will speed, help speed it up. We want to give the characters their moments. And a lot of these characters have been evolving over the course of these four seasons. And so it'll be five seasons of them. We want to make sure that they all land in a way that we all feel good about. So, yeah, it's going to be a shorter. Honestly, I didn't care for the fucking 13 hours. Give me, give me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, throw it on. As much as you need, yeah, as as you need to tell me the story. Fast. More. Give me more, guys. I don't know. That is all I have. I, I, I love this season. I can't wait for season five. It looks like we're getting it, like you guys said, sometime in 2024. Any final thoughts? Ah, I love it. Give me more. I'm going to be sad when it's gone, but man, I really hope they stick the landing. Yeah, that's the big thing. They got to stick the landing. I mean, a great villain, great heroes. We need a great ending, so I'm really hoping we get that. I want to thank everybody for joining me on this bonus episode for Stranger Things Season 4. Joe, where can people find you, and what have you been talking about? Yeah, you can find me on StartCast. That is my long-form conversation podcast I do. I generally have new episodes every Saturday. It's just me and a guest uh, shooting the shit. You can also find me on Twitter, at the Tubby Ninja. Scott Schutte does a podcast, The Fabulous Learning Nerds. Tell us about it, Scott. It's um, it, it, it's a show for fabulous learning nerds, all about fabulous learning nerds. No, it it actually is a um, educational podcast. If you're into uh, talking about leadership or how you can make the world a better place through learning, education, and support for others, it's a fantastic show. You can check us out. Yeah, uh, Scott, what's what what episode should people start on? Like the episode that's going to get them fucking hooked, man. <sighs> And it's a fantastic one. You know, the, the most recent one that we did was with a guy named uh, Gregory Offner. Um, that's episode 52. This is a fantastic place to start. He's actually a former dueling piano player um, who's talking all about um, just coaching and leadership and all good stuff. And we had a fantastic discussion at the beginning about uh, songs that dueling piano players hate. So I thought that that was really awesome. Um, but there's some really good stuff in there. Um, and we've actually had Paul Hart and Dunk on the show 
Um, we're doing some good stuff. Not enough poop jokes, but um, lots of fun <laughs> if you're into that kind of stuff. Uh, well, I'm ready for your next podcast, The Fabulous Pooping Nerds. That's Scott, great. That's oh, a- and then we do run <laughs> Spook Fest coming up here fairly shortly. Very cool. Yeah, awesome, guys. Yeah, definitely subscribe to The Fabulous Learning Nerds. Billy, the reality guys, man, what's going on? Are you guys covering, uh, uh, are you guys doing the uh, the one that got away? We're not. I mean, we're always open to covering other series, but right now it's actually a lot going on. It's been kind of dead during the summer, but we have the finale of the Challenge All-Stars 3 this week, the new Challenge USA on CBS, so a reality TV thing on cable TV, which is always nice to see, get a little more exposure. And uh, next week, The Bachelorette comes back, which is always the biggest thing actually on our channel. We always where the most audience comes in. So it's actually a reality TV channel for fans of reality TV, but also for people that actually aren't fans of reality TV because if you watch how we cover it, we just have a lot of fun with it and, and treat it for what it is. So uh, take a check out the reality guys on YouTube. All right, Quentin, you do a podcast, The Real Zodiac. That's with two E's because it's like a film reel. Amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. What's new? Um, so we are actually just we just did an episode with Joe Prime from uh, Vintage Geeks, and uh, it was for sci-fi. We're in our sci-fi right now because we go through all of the uh, zodiac signs and turn them into genres. So in July, we're doing mostly sci-fi, and we did Galaxy Quest, like I said, with Joe Prime from Vintage Geeks. Uh, that one was a lot of fun to do. Um, very, very knowledgeable that man is. And yeah, other than that, I mean, we're going to be gearing up for, uh, our retro reel for Halloween. That'll be coming out in about two weeks. We're going to go through every Halloween film leading up to Halloween ends in October. Oh, wow. Oh, is that coming out this year? Yes, it should be. Hopefully. Yeah, that'll come out this October. Oh, God, please <laughs> please stick the landing on that one. Scott, I'm sorry I didn't like that last one as much as I liked that first one. I, I It was a huge letdown for me, man. No, they're going to sure. stick the landing, guaranteed. They better stick the landing. All right, guys, yeah, check out The Real Zodiac. Stephen Redgrave, you do a podcast dissecting this fiction. What's going on over there? Uh, well, we got Thor coming up, so we'll probably do a spoiler episode for that this weekend. Um, other than that, we just do movies, TVs, games, typical episode, news, reviews, whatever. Just me and my wife, we have a, a great time. I make jokes. She hates them, and that's the cycle we do. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch for Classy Cat Dad. I've started uh, streaming Halo because apparently I'm third in the world for stickies, so I'm trying to log that for people to see. Third in the world for stickies. I have no idea what that is, but congratulations, Stephen. I throw a grenade that sticks to somebody and kills them. Okay. All right. <laughs> stickies for me is usually after I do a dirty act in my bed and my sheets are stuck together yeah. and I got to pull them apart. But <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they started calling me Sticky Finger Steve. Sticky Finger Steve. That's impressive. Yeah. Oh, man. By they, I mean just me. I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> At least they don't call you stinky fingers, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> stinky. 
it depends what you're into. <laughs> no, so ch- All right, guys. Some great podcasters, some great podcasts. Please subscribe and listen. Uh, we will be back this weekend for Thor, Love and Thunder, our spoiler review. And I can't wait for everybody to get a chance to see the movie. That's all I have to say. I'll, I'll save the rest of my thoughts for when we record. But uh, I was about to say, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, and I'm not going to do it. Until next week, I'm putting a lid on this one. See ya.